Uh, good morning. For those who don't know who I am, my name is Dan Abbotts. I'm an elder here at uh, Philida Bible. And uh, this week, Pastor Scott and Karen have both been on vacation, uh, much well-deserved. So it's an opportunity for us as a, as a church family to look at who we are, We're stepping back into that uh, second series we're doing. And so far, I mean, we saw a lot of the who am I there in that video. Um, but in this series so far, we've seen that we are God's masterpiece, We've seen that we are his athlete, that we are a sheep of the good shepherd, we are a servant of God, a doer of his word, we've seen that we are his child, and we've seen that we are more than conquerors, and that we are a master builder. And today we're going to look that we are a clay pot. Yes! Uh, at this point, I, you know, at least when I was preparing, I'm like, man, being a sheep doesn't sound so bad right now, and being a clay pot. And um, I encourage you to, to listen to hear what God does have to say about that through Paul. So uh, personally, I don't have very many clay pots hanging around. I don't have them sitting around or even stacked up at my house. Um, so I was thinking about this description that, that we're given as... Uh, of who we are as a clay pot. And I'm trying to think, well, what's the modern day equivalent? Right? And I mean, I was racking my brain this whole week, and the best that I could come up with, the best that I could come up with is a cardboard box. And I don't think that's much better than a clay pot. Um, my wife Cindy will tell you that I even texted her today. I'm like, hey, what, what would you consider a modern day clay pot? And she came up, I don't know, kitchen utensils, a coffee pot, something ordinary. I'm like, yeah, but it still, it just doesn't, doesn't grab the meat of what I'm trying to, to show here. And I was fixated on this idea of, okay, so what is, what is the modern day clay pot? Because I wanted to bring in all these things, right? I want to bring in the, the, the cardboard box, and I wanted to present these one at a time and have you go, oh, man, this is amazing. God's word is being revealed by these, uh, by these items, and Dan's doing a great job. I wanted you to be impressed as, as, each home is, uh, as each point is driven home by the item that is pulled out and going, wow, I mean, the Spirit was going to be in here. He was going to be convicting us of sin. Uh, we were going to be repenting. There was going to be singing, rejoicing. There's going to be laughing. It was going to be great. I mean, awesome. So in my brilliance here, I, uh, I, I decided to read what God actually has to say. Uh, <laughs> through Paul. So we're actually going to... Uh, look at that, and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians today, chapter 4. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device with a Bible, uh, go there. If you don't have one, uh, go ahead and grab the Bible in the rack in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, that is yours to have freely. We want to make sure that uh, God's Word is readily available to everyone. Uh, before we jump in, we're going to start at verse 5 in chapter 4, but before we do... A uh, quick overview of what's going on here with this second letter to the Corinthians. In the first letter, Paul was addressing some of the brokenness, some of the dysfunction that was going on in the Corinthian church. They were picking and choosing who is more holy by behavior. They were div dividing into factions of, okay, I, I follow this guy, I follow this guy, and I'm more spiritual because I follow this guy. And Paul laid out some tough love in that and showed them how the church should live. It's a great letter. Highly recommend reading it. Um, and when you get to the second letter, you have this sense that someone in the Corinthian church, maybe a group of people, was like, oh, really, Paul? 
And what gives you the right to say this to us? So 2 Corinthians is kind of his answer to that question. He, he puts himself through a, a self-imposed vetting process, as it were, of listing out his, um, his credentials and reestablishing his authority uh, through Christ and his uh, ministry to the Corinthians in general. So we're going to pick it up uh, kind of in the middle of a thought there, but I just wanted to give you guys that for background. So we're going to start at verse 5. And uh, we're going to go till the end of the chapter. For what we proclaim, Paul says, is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death Uh, giving over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised Jesus, uh, the Lord Jesus, will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it, is, uh, for it is all for your sake, so that the, as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Paul lays it out here for them. And the answer we hear from Paul is that he is, he is nothing. He is a, a nobody, as it were. He tells the Corinthians that when he and his companions came to the town... They didn't preach themselves up. It wasn't, you know, the, the Paul and company, you know, setting up a booth and, hey, buy our merchandise and our material. We're so great. We have this thing. No, he preached Jesus Christ as Lord. And that Paul and his companions were the servants of God to the Corinthians for Jesus' sake. And that's kind of a sobering thought and a different message altogether when we think about uh, how we minister to other people, how we work out that. But like I say, it's another message. So Paul goes to say in this message as well that the, the gospel of Jesus is being toted around. It is being carried in these cheap, these ordinary, everyday objects. It's just a clay pot. That's all it is. And it's not to say that the, the 
content of the message that is being carried around is worthy of the item in which it's being held, but it's, it's contrary. It's, it's the other way around, right? It is a great thing that it is there. It's to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us, Paul says. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, one who has placed uh, my hope in him, if you are in that position as well, uh, we have an identity in Christ as this clay pot. We are jars of clay, it says, a clay pot. We are earthenware vessels. And from this, after reading all that, it seems kind of silly to try and bring up all these other visuals because I think the clay pot does it. There really isn't a modern-day equivalent because we have that modern-day equivalent. A clay pot is fragile in many senses. It's uh, inexpensive. It's wholly unremarkable. Uh, But there is comfort in this because it is the focus that counts. The, The focus is not the container, but it's what's in the container. The focus is not the container, but what is what's in the container. We are not the focus here. I am not the focus here. And all that work I had put into trying to think of something, uh, we can still just relate to the clay pot. Uh, it would have been useless to try and make the point about the clay pot, because God is the point. He is the focus. It is his power in that object that is the focus. And so for the rest of the time today, I want to focus on, the, on this question. What benefit is there to being God's clay pot? What benefit is there to being God's clay pot? Three benefits kind of popped to mind or popped in, into my eye as I was reading this. There could be more, but I chose three. <laughs> uh, so as we list them, I'm going to say it kind of in a very long, wordy kind of way. For those who enjoy the use of language to be more descriptive. And then I'm also going to say it in a short way for people who like it, get to the point. So the first benefit of being a clay pot belonging to God, we experience the indwelling of the gospel. We get to experience the indwelling of the gospel. Verse 6 says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. We get to be with God. We get to be with God. He is in us. As a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit rests within me. If you are a follower of Christ, he The Spirit rests within you as well. Let's sit with that for a minute, because that is a very weighty thing. It's God the Spirit inside this. He's housed. He's dwelling here. He lives here. And it's not just a piece of God. It is the Spirit of God in you. So when verse 7 says, we have this treasure, I mean, it really, I mean, that should impact us. We have, it doesn't get much more treasury than God does. It, I mean, his, his essence, who he is, dwelling with us, being with us, 
And it's amazing in my mind that he should, he should want to be here. He chooses to be in, in these modest accommodations. He is worthy of the glory of heaven. That is who he is, so that he would be with us. That is an amazing benefit. 2 Corinthians, at the very beginning, in chapter 1, verse 21, uh, Paul says this, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God chooses to be with you, chooses to be in you, to establish you as his, as his clay pot. Uh, thinking about clay pots. Have you ever accidentally or purposefully dropped a clay pot? What ends up happening when you drop that clay pot? You get a giant dent in the ground, right? I mean, you're just like, man, now i got to retile the floor. And you pick up your nice, pristine pot and walk off. No, 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 it shatters. It's terrible. It's a horrible thing. Someone usually ends up sweeping up terracotta off the floor because it just broke into a million pieces. Because it's weaker than the surface which it hit. It just goes. So what happens when a person is under stress? What happens when that person is in some poor circumstances? Maybe they're out of a job. They've lost their job. Maybe they've lost some friends. Maybe they've lost family. What happens when that person is constantly bombarded with bad news day after day? After day, you start to see some chips, start to see some dings in the pot, some cracks that just kind of go all the way down. You see people whose lives have fallen apart, and they have to pick up these broken pieces and do something with it. So what about the person who is a clay pot who belongs to Jesus, who belongs to God? What about them? What's the benefit of being a clay pot that belongs to the creator of the universe? So benefit number one was I get to be with God daily. Benefit number two, we are able to demonstrate that the strength we have is not our own, but that it is God in us. It is from the one who dwells within us. Verses seven and nine. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Please hear me well on this point. If anyone ever tries to tell you that the Christian life is easy, and that no troubles will happen to you, and it is smooth sailing, you are being lied to. The Bible does not teach, nor did the apostles, nor did Jesus, that life was going to be smooth sailing once you get in with God. In uh, John 16, we get a snippet of Jesus speaking with his disciples. He's been teaching them, and he sums it up with this. I have said these things to you, 
everything that he had just taught there, that in me you may have peace. Sounds good. In this world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. These are not words that are spoken to people who are going to have a good and easy time of life. (laughs) The clay pot gets dropped. It can bounce. It can get chipped. It can get cracked. It can get dinged up. It can get holes in it. But you know that there's something more than that. You know what it does when all of that happens, when all of this happens to our clay pot, us as clay pots? Through God's grace, it is totally through his grace, it allows us to shine God's light to a world that desperately, desperately needs to see who he is. It shows us that God is reliable. It shows us that God is faithful to his word. The world can be coming in from all sides, but we won't be crushed because it is God who is in us. We can be confused as to why the world is going the way it's going, even with all the evils in it, but we're not driven to despair because we know that nothing takes God by surprise. We can be mocked for the faith that we have, but we know that we are not deserted by God. We are not forsaken because he promises to be with us to the end of the age. We can have physical action taken to us as believers up to and including death, and we know that we are not destroyed because it is God who is for us. And how we react to our circumstances can be and is a powerful witness of who God is in our lives. Others can see it and be drawn in to it. They can ask themselves, well, what's so different about him? He just, I don't know. Why can she be so happy with everything that's going on in her life? It's just, I'd be miserable. We live in the knowledge that God is in control, that he is sovereign. He knows what's going on. Nothing takes him by surprise. And again, I want to stress that it does not mean when you walk with Jesus that we will have a carefree and easy life. And I don't want to minimize anybody's pain in this room because pain hurts. It is a real thing. But in those moments, and with every, all the experiences that we've gone through, we have the opportunity as those people who intertwine with our lives and we intertwine with theirs, we get to show them who God is. They get to see God through us. Speaking to those who are in the family of God right now, if you're a Christian who walks around in the I'm fine mentality, even within the church, We are robbing others of seeing God's glory as he works in our lives. We're called to share one another's burdens. We're called to love one another. And if someone's just saying, I'm fine, and I'm guilty of this, so this is kind of a bit of a confession too, of just saying, I'm fine, and moving on with life, 
okay, you're fine. I guess I don't need to talk to you right now. I'll just move on to somebody else and talk to them. Interaction is lost. People who may not see God's glory anywhere else miss out. But I don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction to that and go, okay, well, when someone asks me how, well, take a seat, because I've got some info for you. You're going to want to take notes, okay? So I'm not saying, all right, let's just, you know, dump the whole of the world on the person, the poor soul who happened to ask after this message, hey, how you doing? No, we got to use some common sense. It's walking in authentic relationship with Christ, right? This is where being the body comes into play, you know, whether it be a small group or just a group of friends that you meet with who really know who you are, having those real and authentic relationships with everybody. So when someone does ask, hey, how you doing? And I respond, oh, I'm fine. And they go, liar, I know your life right now. It's not fine. They have that room to say that because they're in relationship with you. You can be authentic with them. So walking in authentic relationship with Jesus is a far greater witness, I think, than just our words, just simply our words of what we believe. There are a lot of people who say, I'll believe it when I see it. This is one of those practical ways. People know that life is hard. People know that good and bad things happen every day. And it's not just giving them the, the Facebook great snippet of your life, but in the good times and in the bad times of your life, they get to see God working within you. They get to see that he is merciful and compassionate. They get to see that he, thankfully, that he is slow to anger and that he is abounding in love. So benefits of being God's clay pot. One, we get to be with God daily. Two, we demonstrate God's strength and his power uh, in our weaknesses. And finally, Uh, How did I put it up here? We have confidence that the world won't end us. That won't be the death of us. We get to live in hope of resurrection. Death has no power over God's clay pots. Death has no power among us. Yes, it is a consequence of sin. Yes, we experience that. Everyone in this room has experienced that in some way in their lives, and we will all eventually die. And that stinks, putting it very mildly. But that is not the end. Verses 10 through 15 in 2 Corinthians. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so spoke, we also speak. Uh, We also believe, rather, and we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise raise us also with Jesus and bring us to be with you in his presence. It is for all your sake, so that the grace, so that as grace rather, extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So part of the treasure that is stored in us, part of that treasure, the gospel, is the death of Jesus. And that it has to be in there. 
It is the payment, the ultimate payment for sin for the entire world. And as a part of that, like I say, it is part of that treasure. And we can kind of just stop there, like, oh, Jesus died for our sins. That, I don't think that, uh, while it's important, I don't think it is the only focus that we should have on that, because Paul does not make it the only focus in here. Why is it part of that? One, it covers our sins. We are made right before God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. But more so, we see Paul talking here about the life that comes with it. So it's like, okay, so Jesus died, and we carry that with us. But we carry it so that just as Christ was raised, we get to be raised. We get to experience uh, his death. And we also get to experience his resurrection, which is unfathomable. But we get to share in his life. Paul here quotes from Psalm 116 when he says, I believed and so I spoke. And I want to read that entire psalm and listen for the similarities between what Paul has been saying here and what the psalmist is putting to lyric. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompass me, the pangs of Sheol, the grave, they lay hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. I called on the name of the Lord, O Yahweh, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, he saved me. Return my soul to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. And I, uh, in, I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Amen. Living life to the fullest possible extent because we know that even, uh, even when we die, he has promised to raise us back to life in Christ. For his glory, not ours, for his glory. So we actually get to say with Paul, starting at verse 16, So do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, anybody's outer self wasting away? Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And putting it in perspective, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
As we look to the things that are seen, uh, not to the things that are seen, rather, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We will experience even more life, and I don't know how exactly it looks, more life after we die if we are in Christ because there is more to be had. We will be raised. So we can live in confidence that way. So we ask the question, who am I? In Christ, I am God's treasure-holding, glory-showing, ultimately indestructible clay pot. That is who we are. Uh, just take a moment, uh, kind of do a, a self-inventory. Uh, if it helps to close your eyes, great. If not, keep them open. But, but where, are, where are you with God right now? Uh, you know, are, are we kind of in that questioning mode of, God, who are you? Who am I? How do I, how do, I do this life thing? Um, if you're in that place, I pray for you that uh, the Spirit would open your eyes, that you would see Him, that you see, would see that God is good, that you would look around at the, at the broken pots around you and see His glory and go, I want some of that in me. Father, I pray that you would um, meet with these people, that uh, they would choose to be filled by you, Father. Are you, are you kind of at the place today where you're looking at your clay pot and you notice some cracks and nothing's coming out that's good? If you're in Christ, I would pray that, that you would let God shine through those, that you would be real and honest with other people so that they can see him through you. As we look at uh, our lives, are we seeing that I'm a pretty good-looking clay pot? Not a whole lot of chips, if any. Uh, I would pray that, a very strange prayer, that God would allow trials, that his glory may be shown through you, that risks would be taken. Father, I lift up this, uh, this family here at uh, Philida Bible. I pray that you would work in and through us, that you would draw those who you want to yourself, that you would mend lives if someone's got a shattered pot, Father. I pray that you would piece it back together so that your glory may shine brilliantly through it. Father, as we continue to worship today through song and later today in just the, the joy of being your family and sharing a meal together, I pray that you would be at work. Help us be real with you. Help us be real with each other. Father, I pray that we would live in the joy of, 
that you will raise us to life if we are in Christ, that we get to share in his death and we get to share in his resurrection. Father, make that truth real to us. And we lay these requests at your feet and ask you to answer them in your will and in Jesus' name. Amen.